Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to the Unconventional Wedding Planning Podcast. My name is Ashley, and I am planning my own unconventional budget micro-wedding in the middle of a pandemic. If you don't feel represented in mainstream wedding media, if you haven't been dreaming about your wedding day since you were six years old, and if you don't want to have an Instagram wedding, then you are in the right place. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. Today's episode is all about honeymoons, 15 things you need to know before planning your honeymoon. So just going to jump right in. I'm sure you know a honeymoon is that trip that the couple takes after their wedding, sort of their first trip as newlyweds to celebrate, to relax, to enjoy, possibly to make a baby, depending on your priorities. Um, I am a huge traveler. I've been to over 40 countries, have spent time living and working and studying abroad. So the honeymoon is super huge and important to me. In fact, I often joke that it is more important than the actual wedding. Of course it's not, but it's right up there. So I thought this would be a great episode to sort of go over something to know about honeymoons, bust some myths, reassure you, um, and if it's something that's just sort of fallen to the end of your priority list, or if you're like me and you're super, super excited about honeymoons, I think this will definitely come in handy. Okay, so jumping in, the first thing you need to know, and this is one that is very uh, time sensitive or just, you know, relevant to right now, COVID. Of course, with COVID rules, international travel, even um, domestic or local travel is super restricted. There's lots of rules in place about testing and quarantining and distancing and wearing masks and things being closed and lockdowns and curfews. It's a very difficult time to be traveling, to be honeymooning right now. I did an episode a while back um, all about how to plan a honeymoon during a pandemic. So if you are taking your honeymoon I guess anytime in the next year, maybe. Uh, I think that's a really great episode. So head back and listen to that one. Of course, first thing you need to check all of the rules. So look into the rules, not just for your country, but the country where you're going and also any countries you might be transiting through. If you've got like layovers or a couple days in between. Um, and it kind of sounds silly to like check the rules for your own country. Cause you're like, Hey, I live here. I know the rules. 
Um, but there might be rules for coming back to your country. So even if you are a citizen or a permanent resident, there might be rules for when you come back about um, quarantining or testing or things like that that you'll need to do. So make sure you know all of those ahead of time. Uh, they can definitely affect your travel plans. It might not be as simple as just showing up at the airport. You might have to get a test like a certain number of days beforehand. You might have to quarantine at a specific hotel. You might even have to take like time off work to be able to finish out your quarantine. So it can really, really change things uh, for you depending on the rules. So make sure you know about all of those as well. This is probably a little bit of a hot button issue, but just check in with your moral compass. Um, currently as of time of recording, uh, vaccine rates are not equitable across the world. There are places that have a lot of vaccines and are vaccinating very quickly, which is amazing because that is, of course, saving lives. Um, but at the same time, there are countries that are just going through absolutely horrible waves of COVID and people are you know, dying in the streets. And it's really, really awful. And it's really not fair. Um, and I, I just think coming from a place of privilege in a country that is vaccinating fairly quickly, um, or, you know, at least not having these, you know, mass deaths that we see, um, just would want to check in with that and say, hey, you know, even if I am vaccinated or whatever, you know, I'm going to follow the rules. Is this really a place that I should be going to right now? Is there other ways for me to support the economy without, you know, putting a strain on local resources and taking away from a really big health crisis that needs to be dealt with. So I'll leave that with you. Just, you know, check in with your moral compass, make sure you feel good about your honeymoon plans. Um, of course, understand that the rules are constantly changing, hopefully for the better. Hopefully we are going into a time of less restrictions, more open travel and open borders, but just understand that the rules are always changing. So it's very hard to make firm plans. I'm sure you know this if you are planning a wedding in the time of Corona, it is very hard to make firm plans. It is super useful to have a backup. So for myself, we have like probably three or four, five different honeymoon options that we are currently um, going through. Actually, at the end of this episode, I'll share my own honeymoon plans if that is of interest to you. Maybe it'll inspire your trip. Uh, but we do have, yeah, about five different options depending on what is open at the time. So it's very helpful if you're planning a honeymoon during the pandemic to have some backup plans. Okay, sorry, that was a long one. Moving on to the second thing that you need to know when planning a honeymoon, it's not a priority for everyone. So this is super hard for me to wrap my head around because as I explained, huge traveler, love to travel this time, probably this last you know year of being stuck at home because of COVID is the longest I've gone without traveling. Um, so for me, the honeymoon is a huge priority, but it's, it's not for everyone. And I totally get that. Maybe there are other parts of the wedding or just of life that you're way more interested in. Maybe you're not a traveler. Um, but I would encourage you, you know, if you, if you picked up this episode, if you started to listen, hopefully there's a small part of you that's saying like, oh, okay, honeymoon. Yeah, I guess, I guess we could do that. Um, it's still really nice to have a honeymoon and it doesn't have to be, you know, the stereotypical honeymoon, you know, inside of the box thing you see on commercials. Um, it doesn't have to be super long or expensive or across the world. It can really be whatever you want it to be. And it's nice just to have that that little break to take a little vacation as newlyweds, you know, whatever that means to you. It does not have to be what you see um, online or in the movies or on TV shows. And it really can be whatever, whatever you want it to be, which leads me perfectly into my third thing that you need to know. Honeymoons do not have to happen at all inclusive resorts. <laughs> this is apologies as I get on my soapbox here. I see so many people posting in these wedding Facebook groups being like, oh my God, like where, like I need help with my honeymoon. Which of these 
eight identical resorts should we be going to? And it's like, that, that doesn't have to be it. When people say, oh my God, where are you going for your honeymoon? It's like, well, the whole world is your option. You are not stuck to what, Sandals Resort in Dominican Republic or Mexico or wherever. And this is not, you know, crapping on Sandals or resorts or the Caribbean. I love all of those things. <laughs> um, it doesn't have to be a cruise uh, I think so many people fall into this trap of like, okay, that's what we've seen. You know, we see people who go on honeymoons to that all-inclusive resort or to Hawaii or on a cruise, and they think that's what they have to do. That's what a honeymoon is, but it's not. A honeymoon is just the trip that you and your partner take after you get married. It can honestly be whatever you want it to be. It doesn't have to be um, something tied up with a bow called the honeymoon package or the lover's special or whatever. Um, and if that's not your kind of trip, like if the idea of sitting at the same resort for a week, putting on sunscreen every day, eating at the same buffets, if that sounds horrible to you, or like you get seasick, you don't want to be on a cruise, you don't have to do that. You can still have an amazing honeymoon. You don't have to do an all-inclusive resort. You don't have to do a cruise. You don't have to go to the Caribbean. All of that is totally optional and it's not what makes a honeymoon. On the other hand, if that is your thing, if you are so excited to go down to a gorgeous Caribbean island, if you just want to not think about your honeymoon at all, you just want to show up and everything is taken care of, the food is there, the activities are there, the accommodation, everything's done for you, you don't have to think about it, then yeah, maybe an all-inclusive or a cruise is a great option for you. So that's totally fine, but just know that it's not mandatory and that there are lots of different types of honeymoons, I was just going to say all-inclusive, there are lots of different types of honeymoons that are not all-inclusive resorts. So don't get trapped thinking that's your only choice. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. All right. So the fourth thing to keep in mind when planning your honeymoon is that you want to make it special and romantic. But romance is in the eye of the beholder. It means different things to different people. It does not have to be the cliche thing. Like if you Google honeymoon activities or even just photos of a honeymoon, you'll see lots of like candlelit dinners on the beach, people holding hands, getting couples massages. It doesn't have to be that. If that's not you and your partner, if you, you know, think a candlelit dinner on the beach just sounds like a lot of mosquitoes and not being able to see your food. If, you know, massages just hurt you and make you uncomfortable. If that's not how you and your partner like to spend time together, then then don't do it. You really do not have to fall into any of those honeymoon cliches. Of course, it's nice to hold hands. And I mean, personally, I like massages. I like nice dinners. Um, but you don't have to do that sort of stuff. And you definitely don't have to do it, you know, all day, every day of your honeymoon in order to make it special and romantic. To make your trip special, you really just want to tick something off your bucket list. So if there's something that you've always wanted to do, or 
you know, you've kind of been dreaming of doing with your partner, a place you've wanted to go to or an experience you've wanted to have, a honeymoon is a really great time to do that because it sort of marks it as like, oh yeah, that was a really special trip. You know, we were able to, um, I don't know, <laughs> something on the bucket list. We were able to climb the Sydney Harbor Bridge in Australia, or we were able to see a sunrise on safari in Kenya. Like, you know, something something like that. It can be a smaller thing too. We were able to see um, the leaves change color in New England. We did a really awesome road trip there. Just something that'll really make it special and personal to you. And that's romantic because you're doing it together and it's something you love. Um, in a previous life, I worked as a travel planner and I planned almost exclusively honeymoons. And it really opened my eyes to the fact that honeymoons, again, don't have to be at all-inclusive resorts and that everyone really does have different definitions of romantic and what makes a trip special. So here are just a couple of the trips that I planned for honeymooners. So I planned a trip uh, basically all about scuba diving in the Philippines. The couple was super into diving and basically they just went all around different islands in the Philippines to check out different dive sites. I planned a trip that was um, pretty much a road trip through New Zealand and Australia. That was a really cool one. I planned a honeymoon uh, wine tasting in Italy and France. I planned another one in Cambodia that was kind of this awesome mix of like sightseeing, animal encounters, and beach resorts, a little bit of everything. So hopefully that shows you that, you know, your honeymoon really can be whatever you want it to be. And as long as it's something that you want to do and you're with your partner, it is going to be special and romantic. All right, the fifth thing to know about honeymoon planning is that you don't have to go right away. In uh, sort of those old school wedding movies, you'll see the couple like drive off from their wedding, um, which is also just the weirdest thing. I don't know any couples who do those like getaways where they get in the car and drive off while all of the guests are still there. You can't leave before your guests. <laughs> Every wedding I've been to in real life, the couple is like the last people there. You know, they're cleaning up the place and they're with their um, wedding party and their parents or whoever else got suckered into staying to help clean and pick up things. Uh, they never leave while all the guests are still there in the middle of the wedding. So anyways, <laughs> an aside, but they make it seem like the couple drives straight to the airport from their wedding to leave on their honeymoon. And you don't want to do this. This is so, so stressful. You don't want to leave from your wedding straight to your honeymoon. Um, not the same day, not even the next morning. I would say you want at least two or three days after the wedding um, just to stay in town to uh, hang out with any guests who might have come into town, to return any rentals, to finish and settle up all of your vendor bills, to get over your hangover if you drank too much. The absolute worst thing would be, you know, your night of your wedding, you're up until two in the morning, dancing, having fun, drinking, hanging out with everyone. And then you have to wake up three hours later in order to get on your flight. <laughs> like that would just be the worst. You would have such an awful first probably two or three days of your honeymoon. So definitely give yourself some time and know that you don't have to go on your honeymoon right away. In fact, um, while I was a wedding, or not a wedding planner, while I was a travel planner, the majority of the couples that I planned honeymoons for, they weren't going on their honeymoon until a year after their wedding. So that is totally a normal thing. It happens all the time. Don't, don't worry about that. Don't freak out. Um, it is totally fine. And especially in these days with COVID, there are tons of couples who, you know, got married in 2019 or 2020, and they're not going to be able to go on their honeymoon until, you know, 2022, 2023. So those people are waiting, you know, potentially four years to go on a honeymoon. And that's totally fine. That's just how the world works. And it's actually kind of nice because you actually have time to save up for it, especially if you put a lot of your own money into your wedding. 
Um, it can be kind of difficult to come off of a really expensive wedding and then need to come up with tens of thousands of dollars to go on a really expensive honeymoon. So giving yourself a year, two years, however long you need to save up again is really helpful. It's also really nice to have something to look forward to. A lot of couples talk about this post-wedding blues. Um, you kind of get into a little bit of a funk after your wedding day because you spent all this time, all this energy planning a wedding. You know, it's been a year or two years of planning and you have this great day and then it's just over and there's nothing else. And you're kind of like, well, that's it. Like, now what? Now what do I do with all my time and all my excitement and energy? And it's really awesome if you can pour that into your honeymoon planning. You know, the couple days after the wedding, you're off that wedding high, you're kind of getting into your funk. And then you get to say, oh, wait, we have our honeymoon to look forward to. We still have a whole year of looking forward to this honeymoon and getting to plan it. So that's really cool and an awesome reason to not go on your honeymoon right away. The sixth thing to keep in mind is that your honeymoon is the first trip of your married life, but it's not the only one. Yes, your honeymoon should be special and romantic and, you know, should tick some things off the bucket list, but hopefully it's not the only trip that you get to go on with your spouse. So you don't need to go absolutely wild. Sure, you might want to, you know, splurge on a few things here or there, do some extra special um, activities, but you really don't need to spend all of your money and worry about cramming in every last thing. I was actually just chatting with someone who was planning a honeymoon to Iceland and they have two weeks. And I was like, oh, that's amazing. Like two weeks in Iceland would just be the absolute coolest. You'd be able to drive the entire ring road all around the country, make all of these stops, go on really cool hikes and treks and take great photos. And then they let me know that, okay, yeah, we have two weeks, but we're planning to spend six of those days in Italy and Greece. So six days in two countries trying to see like four or five different cities. And it just, oh, it, it, <laughs> it hurt my brain to think about how stressful that would be to only have like one night in Rome to be flying back and forth from Iceland to Rome to Venice to Milan to Santorini to Athens back to Iceland. Like to try to squeeze all of that in in six days just sounds like the most stressful thing. And like you're really not going to have time to see any of those cities and experience and enjoy them. So if that is you, please resist this urge. I promise you will have so much more fun if you just relax and not have a stressful trip and just, you know, take it easy, take it slow, know that Italy or Greece or whatever your equivalent of that will always be out there waiting for you. You can always go back another time. This is not the last trip that you're going to take, not the last trip you're going to take with your spouse. And it actually will be so much more stressful if you, you know, rush around and try to fit everything possible into your itinerary. And if you, um, you know, totally blow your bank accounts, empty them out in order to go on this trip, it'll be so stressful. You'll have a really uh, bad time trying to do absolutely everything. You'll be tired, you'll be stressed, and you um, will get home and have no money because you just emptied out your bank account for this trip. So take it easy, relax, only spend what you can afford, and know that there will be hopefully so many more trips in your future. So the seventh thing to keep in mind when planning your honeymoon is that you want to budget for it. So if you are planning to go sort of relatively soon after your wedding, hopefully you've taken my advice, you're not leaving the next day, you want to make sure that your honeymoon is part of your wedding planning budget. Um, so whether that is money that you and your partner are putting in or money that, you know, parents or grandparents or just really lovely volunteers in your life are contributing, make sure you're putting a portion of that towards the honeymoon if that is uh, when you want to take that trip. You don't want to be putting it like all on credit cards or just totally forgetting about it and getting overwhelmed because it can get really expensive. 
uh, depending on, of course, where you go, where you stay, how long, that sort of thing. So you want to do that sort of research ahead of time. Make sure, especially if you're not um, a big traveler, if this is kind of the first big trip you'll be taking, make sure you really do some research to see what your money can get you. Um, how long can you go for? What type of activities can you do? Will you be staying at, you know, a five-star hotel or more of like a rented apartment or a hostel? Um, how far can you go? What sort of, you know, airfare can you afford? Are you trying to get all bougie and sit in business class? Are you cool in economy? Uh, there's lots of different factors to your honeymoon and how much it'll cost you. And that's not to say that you have to spend a ton of money to have a nice trip. Definitely not. You can do this on a budget. You can have an amazing trip, um, not going too far or, you know, going far and just doing it sort of bare bones. There's lots of areas in the world where your dollar will go really far. So just do some research. There's a ton of resources out there that will tell you exactly how much things cost and what you can do with your money. Um, use lots of travel blogs and travel groups on, you know, Facebook or Instagram or wherever that'll be happy to help you. If you do have some time, if you're not planning to honeymoon right away, you can use that time to save up for it, which is super, super helpful. And you can also register for it. So you've probably heard of a honey fund. This is basically instead of a regular wedding registry where you would ask for like towels and a crock pot, you would ask for things for your honeymoon. So you'll say things like, oh, like dinner for two, um, massage day, uh, day of fishing, um, I don't know, shopping at the local <laughs> food market, things like that. You'll put them all on a list and you'll put a dollar amount to them. So, you know, fancy dinner out might be $200. And then your guests can purchase those things for you on your registry. But of course, what they're really doing is they're just sending you money. Uh, nobody is coming to make sure that you actually spend that $200 on the restaurant. It's, it's not like that. It's really just a nicer way to ask for money because you're telling your guests exactly how you're going to use it on your honeymoon. So the guests feel good, especially those guests who are like kind of weirded out about the idea of giving you money. They're like, oh, I'm not giving them money. I'm buying them dinner on their honeymoon. Like I'm buying them, you know, dinner in, um, I don't know, Paris. Like I'm buying them dinner at the Eiffel Tower. How amazing is that? So that's really cool for the guests. And it's also nice for you because when you're writing those thank you cards to uh, thank your guests for coming to your wedding and for gifting you something amazing, you actually get to say thank you so much for dinner at the Eiffel Tower. It was absolutely amazing. Here's a photo of us from dinner. And it just makes it that much more personal as opposed to just, um, oh, thank you for your contribution towards our life together, which is, you know, a little bit impersonal. And they don't know, maybe you just spent that money on groceries, which again, you definitely can. But uh, it's, it's more fun to come up with something that you could use it for on your honeymoon, your guests will be into it. And it makes writing those thank you cards a lot easier. Okay, number eight is that you can do a mini moon. So if you haven't heard, um, a mini moon is, is how it sounds. It's just a mini honeymoon. So it's usually not as far. Um, it's not as long. It's usually a little bit cheaper, just by the fact that it's, you know, you're not going on a super long flight and you're not going away for weeks and weeks. It can just be like a little weekend trip. You drive a couple hours out of town um, or, you know, maybe it's five or six days and you're taking a short domestic flight. But basically, it's just a nice way to still have that honeymoon without making it this huge, long, expensive trip. Because, you know, some people, they, they can't afford it. They can't get the time off. Maybe you have kids or pets at home that need your attention. Maybe it's just bad timing. You've got a lot going on with work or with family and you, you can't go on a trip. Or you just don't want to. Like, like we said way back at the beginning of this episode, maybe the honeymoon's just not a priority to you and you don't want to put a ton of money and time 
into it, and that is totally fine. But consider a mini moon because they can still be uh, super romantic, and it's a really nice chance to relax right after the wedding. Most couples who opt to do a mini moon, they'll go sooner. Like they won't wait, you know, a year after their wedding to do it, just because it's a lot easier to schedule in a little mini moon right after your wedding. Uh, you don't have to take as much time off. You don't have to save up as much. So it's really nice to to have that as a way to relax. Like right after that wedding, you can kind of just get away together, take a big breath and be like, ah, oh, we did it. We made it. It's over. Let's chill. Let's sleep in. Let's get massages. Let's wear robes. Um, and you can still make it really special. You can do some of those bucket list activities that we were talking about. You can splurge a little bit, especially if you are saving, you know, you're not paying for airfare. Maybe you're only having to pay for a hotel for three nights instead of three weeks. And that's a really cool opportunity. You can say, hey, we're going to splurge. We're going to get, I don't know, the presidential suite instead of just the regular queen bedroom, or we're going to get um, room service breakfast or, you know, whatever it is, whatever would make it a little extra for you and your partner. That's a really cool way to sort of have your mini moon set apart from any other weekend trip you might take. Okay. Number nine is to plan your honeymoon together. So just like wedding planning, I'm a firm believer that both partners should be involved in the planning. I don't think it should fall on one person. And especially in heterosexual couples, it should not just be the bride who is doing all of the planning for the wedding or for the honeymoon. I ranted and raved about this in many episodes, um, including one I believe called uh, the groom should plan the wedding, which I strongly believe in. The groom absolutely should plan the wedding uh, alongside the, the bride. Um, so just like that, you should both be involved in your honeymoon planning or, you know, divvying it up however you see fit. So maybe um, one person is going to do accommodations, one person's going to do dinners, whatever it is. But your honeymoon should really involve both of your tastes and opinions. It shouldn't just be one partner saying like, oh yeah, I'll plan the whole thing. And it's, you know, all catered to what they love. And they're not really keeping in mind the other person because it's it's your first trip together as a newlywed couple. That's really cool. That's really special. And it should represent both of you. Number 10 is to plan alone time. Yes, I know that sounds so weird, especially since I just told you to plan your honeymoon together and it's a honeymoon. You would think, uh, you know, the couple really needs to be together, but a little bit of alone time is actually really nice. Um, it's a nice thing to do on any trip you take together because being stuck with another person 24 seven is a lot. If you haven't traveled with your partner yet, um, it can be really overwhelming to be dealing with delays and different languages and different temperatures and different customs and jet lag and everything else that comes with traveling, you know, heavy bags, lost luggage, um, weird people you meet, dealing with all of that while you're stuck with another person and all of their quirks in the exact same shoebox hotel room for two weeks. It's a lot. It's really nice to have that time apart to just get some space, take some deep breaths. Um, and even if you're, you know, you're doing fine, you're happy, all of your traveling has been going well, it's still just really nice to have some time to pursue your own interests. And I'm not talking like, you know, go on separate honeymoons. You shouldn't, <laughs> you shouldn't be going off to Paris while, you know, your spouse is in Australia. You can definitely be in the same place. I'm talking like take the afternoon apart. So you go um, check out some museums that your partner doesn't care about and your partner can go shopping or you head off for a day of golf and your partner checks into the spa. Um, you know, you sleep in while your partner goes to take some beautiful photos of the sunrise, just like that, you know, a few, a few hours apart to pursue your own interests to make you miss the other person. And so when you come back together again for dinner or lunch, you have some stories to share. I think that's really cool and a nice way to make sure that you're both getting what you want out of your honeymoon and taking those breaks and not getting um, super stressed being stuck with the other person for such a long time. 
you also want to plan some surprises. So I think this is a really great way to make your trip extra special. Um, a lot of people will say like, oh, well, what's the difference between a honeymoon and just, you know, a regular trip I go on with my partner. And really at the end of the day, they're the same thing. <laughs> like a honeymoon is just a trip you go on with your partner, but I think you can make it feel extra special by, you know, just doing certain things like taking things off the bucket list and like planning surprises for each other. I think that's really nice. Uh, it doesn't have to be an expensive thing. Um, it can be just a small little gesture. It doesn't have to cost you any money at all. Just basically anything you think your spouse would like that you can kind of um, add to the trip that they don't know about. So it's a surprise along the way. So for example, you could get them tickets to like a show or a game that's in town. Uh, my partner is really into hockey. So if I got him tickets to like a local hockey game, I think he'd be really into that. You could set up an in-room massage if, um, you know, surprise your partner with that. You could book uh, a table at a really fancy restaurant, anything, anything that your partner would like that could just be a nice little extra surprise. And it's kind of fun if you set this ahead of time, like tell your partner, hey, I think it'd be cool if we planned little mini surprises for each other. And then you both go off and do that. And it makes the honeymoon planning really fun. And also you each have something to look forward to while you're on your honeymoon. Okay, number 12 is to plan downtime. So there is, you know, like we talked about, there's that urge to put as much as humanly possible into your honeymoon. You want to just pack all the days, make sure you're doing absolutely everything, especially if you're going to a place, you know, you've never been before, you're so excited, you're going to, um, I don't know, you're going to... Paris and you just are so excited to go to all the museums and go up to the Eiffel Tower and go on all these day trips and see the the lilies or Monet's garden, whatever it is, and see castles and walk all the streets and eat at all the different crepe places and shop at all the markets. Um, but that can be really stressful and tiring and you really don't want to burn yourself out and, and not enjoy it because what happens is you end up having like, you know, breakdowns in the middle of cities. <laughs> I myself have cried over a uh, you know, subway, I couldn't get on because I was just so totally stressed out and tired, or you get sick. Um, those things catch up with you when you're just not giving your body time to rest and relax, you totally burn out. And you end up, you know, losing a few days of your honeymoon to to sickness or, or tiredness, or just not having a good time, which sucks because your honeymoon is supposed to be a ton of fun. And especially if you're going on your honeymoon right after your wedding, you're really going to want that downtime. You're going to want some chill days to just relax, recharge, rest before you jump into any activities or like a fully packed itinerary. So when I was a travel planner, something we'd always do, you know, depending on where the couple was going, of course, is we would start them off with like a really chill location. So we'd have them go to like a beach town or some sort of like, you know, beautiful resort for the first few days, just so they can relax, catch their breath, uh, recover from any jet lag, just any sort of last wedding stress is, is able to just sort of ease right off their shoulders. Then we'd have them jump into like a few days of excited sightseeing and different things like that once their energy is back up and they can actually enjoy it. And then if you have the time, it's really nice to end your honeymoon with some downtime as well. Like plan a few chill days, maybe upgrade yourself to a nicer hotel room or just, you know, do a spa day, something like that so that you have that last little bit of relaxation before you have to go back to real life of, um, you know, not honeymoon, a job, kids, stress, whatever it is. It's really nice if you can give yourself that downtime before you head home too. 
All right, we are coming into the final things you'll want to know before planning your honeymoon. So number 13, do you need a travel agent or a travel planner? So first of all, the difference between the two. So a travel agent usually works on a commission-based structure where they get paid from the hotels or the tour operators or the cruise lines or whoever that they make the bookings uh, for you with. So usually you don't have to pay the travel agent and they just take care of sort of all of those logistics, booking those big parts for you. They do all the bookings. A travel planner usually works on a um, on a scheme where you pay them directly. So you'd pay them for the number of days that you're away or you know hourly or there's a flat rate, whatever it is. And they don't get any cutbacks from any uh, of the tour operators or hotels or cruise lines or anything like that. And they're usually able to plan a little bit more um, than just the logistics. So it's not just, you know, booking your flight and booking your resort. It, they'll do things like, um, you know, recommend different restaurants or different bars and and talk to tour operators for you. So it's usually a little bit more um, engaged. It's a little bit higher level and that's what you're paying for. You're also paying um, them directly so you know that they're not, you know, pushing you towards a certain hotel because they get a really good kickback. And that's not to say that travel agents do that, um, but there's always that fear because you're not paying them directly. It's kind of like with uh, financial advisors, you know, there's the, um, you know, fiduciary independent financial advisors where you pay them directly and you know they're not trying to recommend any products because they're getting a kickback. Whereas the financial advisors that work for like a specific bank, of course, they're only able to advise you to book or not book, but to, you know, invest or open accounts with that certain bank. So hopefully that sort of explains the difference between the travel agent and the travel planner. Um, and even though I used to be a travel planner, I don't actually always recommend that you go that route. I don't think everyone needs a travel planner or a travel agent for your honeymoon. So some reasons not to do it, not to use a travel agent or a travel planner is that it can actually be cheaper to do it by yourself. You're able to look out for deals and especially, um, you know, with the travel planner, you're not paying someone a daily rate or a flat fee or whatever it is to do all the planning for you. It can be a lot of fun if you're like me and you love uh, traveling and researching and planning trips. It's I can't imagine giving that up to somebody else and paying them to do it for me. Like I would, oh, that's my favorite part. I love planning trips. I love the research. It's so much fun. Often when you are planning it yourself, you can book directly. So you can book right with the airline or the hotel or the tour operator, whoever it is. And you don't have to deal with any third party issues. I know with all the... Um, flights that got canceled in 2020, so many people lost out on money because they booked through these third party um, tour agents or travel agents or programs and not directly with airlines and hotels and they ended up losing a ton of money. You also have more control, just, you know, it's your own itinerary, you set it, you plan it, you're not sort of relying on anyone else and that can be really nice. At the same time, it can also be really nice to have somebody help you to do that uh, planning and booking for you. Sometimes it can be cheaper. A lot of travel agents get uh, better deals because they bring a lot of business to certain travel vendors, especially with cruises. I've heard, I'm not a big cruiser myself, but I've heard that with cruises, it's always better to go through a travel agent because they're able to get really good deals for you. Um, it's nice to have someone else deal with all the logistics. You know, they can let you know exactly what you need to do, where you need to go. You don't have to do any of the research. They can also make recommendations, especially if they have experience, you know, planning trips to that same part of the world. And it's good if you have no time to plan it, like you just really <laughs> don't have time to plan a whole trip or you're overwhelmed by all the options. However, you know, I see a lot of people who immediately go to a travel planner or a travel agent because they just haven't traveled before. If you have the time and you have the interest, you know, a lot 
of, <laughs> this sounds mean, a lot of stupid people travel. <laughs> a lot of, <laughs> a lot of dumb people make it, uh, you know, get on the plane, go out in the world, make it home in one piece. So you can do it too. If you have the time, if you have the interest, you know, do a little research, read some travel blogs. Um, a lot of travel bloggers will, you know, just the most comprehensive information from like the minute you step on the plane, um, taking you, holding your hand through absolutely everything. Here's where you go to pick up, you know, this bus. Here's how much it's going to cost. Here's where you get your tickets from. Here's the stop you get off at, all those sort of things. There's a ton of information online. So if you are interested in it, I think, you know, try it out. Try to do some planning. If, if it becomes too much, if you, you know, you get scared, you run out of time, then you can always fall back on a travel agent or a travel planner. There are tons online who would love to help you out, but I, I think it's pretty fun to do it yourself. Number 14, this one is all about passports and visas and name changes. So super, super important logistical stuff. So first of all, you want to make sure if you are traveling internationally that your passport is valid. Most passports need to have at least six months of validity on them in order for you to travel. Uh, but check with the countries you're going to. Sometimes it's more, sometimes it's less. Sometimes it's a certain number of blank pages that they'll need in order to, uh, to stamp or put your visa in. Also want to make sure you have any visas or, you know, other things you might need to enter the country. If you have, um, if you need to get any, you know, immunizations or shots, make sure you're all up to date on those. Do this research, like at least I would say six months to a year before your honeymoon, because some of those things take a long time, especially if you need to renew your passport or apply for a brand new passport. I've heard of really horrible delays throughout the pandemic. So get on that as early as possible. When it comes to name changes, the general rule of thumb is that the name on your passport needs to match the name on your ticket. So if your passport says uh, John Smith and you are changing your name to be John Jenkins, you do not want to enter you know, the information when you're booking your ticket as John Jenkins because your passport still says John Smith. And there are some airlines and some countries who say like, oh, you can bring your, you know, bring your marriage license with you and it's no problem. You'll, you'll get through right away. But it can be a problem. I've heard of so many people who get turned away or have to buy brand new tickets or pay a huge amount of money for like a name change fee because they tried to be cute and use their new married name. Um, but it didn't match their identification. And even if it's a situation where, you know, you've heard, oh, if I just bring my marriage license, okay, what if something happens? What if you don't get your, you know, your marriage certificate back in time, or they can't read it, or it's not recognized by the other country? Just the simplest and easiest thing to do is make sure the name on your passport matches the name on your ticket. If you do have time to change your name, however, if, if that's a plan, you know, if you are planning to change your name, of course, this is all only applicable if you are changing your name. If you're not, then your passport and your name on your ticket will always match. Um, but if you are planning to change your name and you have the time, for example, if you're not going on a honeymoon until, you know, a year later or something like that, then get on that right away. And again, I would make sure you have, you know, that passport either in hand or in process with your new married name before you go and book a ticket with that name, just in case there are so many things, you know, it could be delayed, something could happen, you really want to make sure you're not wasting money on something like that. Um, if you don't have enough time, if you're, you know, honeymooning right away, or you just, you don't even, you don't want to apply for a new passport for whatever reason, then just leave it, you know, use your uh, passport name, your given name, put that on all of your travel documents and make sure it matches your passport. Now, I know some people get kind of sad about this, like, oh, I really wanted to travel as Mr. John Jenkins, not Mr. John Smith. I'm a Jenkins now. Um, you can still use your married name for informal stuff. So when you book a hotel, go ahead and use Mr. John Jenkins. When you make a reservation for a restaurant, you can be Mr. John Jenkins. You can let people know, oh, we are the, we're the Jenkins family. 
Um, it's just for the more official legal stuff where you need to have that passport and show your ID that you need to use the same name. So it's still your honeymoon. You can still have everyone call you by your married name if that makes you happy. But just for ease and so you're not worried, uh, make sure that your passport does match the name on your ticket. The very last thing, my last tip for things you need to know before you go on your honeymoon. Whew, sorry, this is a, a long episode. The last thing I have to say is tell everyone it's your honeymoon. I'm sure you've heard this advice before and it's so true. Make sure everyone knows that you are on your honeymoon. You might get some perks. You might not get as many perks as you've heard of. There used to be these, um, I don't even know if they're uh, old wives tales at this point about perks that you would get. Oh, tell the, um, tell the flight attendant that it's your honeymoon and you'll get bumped up to first class. That's probably not happening anymore. Most airlines have some sort of status program or a points program and they have to bump up their um, higher status passengers before they just bump up a cute couple in economy who happens to be newlyweds. But there's still a chance, right? You could still get some perks. Maybe they can't bump you up to business, but maybe they'll bring you some champagne, um, put you in the, uh, put you in a row with an empty seat so you can spread out a little bit more at the hotel. They might not be able to upgrade you to a suite, but again, maybe they will, I don't know, put rose petals on the bed or give you some champagne or something like that. Um, even if, even if they can't give you anything for free, at the very least, you'll probably get better service, which is always nice, right? Like your uh, waiter or a person checking you in at the hotel or your flight attendant, they're probably going to smile at you more, maybe fill your cup a little extra. Um, and, that, and that's super nice. And you don't have to be obnoxious about it. You don't have to run around with t-shirts that say newlywed. You don't have to keep waving your rings in everyone's faces, unless that's your thing. Unless you want to wear a newlywed t-shirt, then, then go for it. Um, you can just, you know, make it subtle when you are booking a hotel. Just put it in the notes of, you know, some. there's always a section when you're booking of like, you know, what do we need to know? And you can just say, oh, it's our honeymoon. We're super excited to spend it at your hotel. Or when you're making a reservation at a restaurant, you can put that in the notes as well. Or just when you sit down, you know, the waiter comes over, you can say, oh, we're super excited. It's our honeymoon. Just, you know, say it once. People get it. Um, and, and yeah, you might get something free or at the very least, they will be nice to you, which is <laughs> always great. And it also reminds you, you know, if you are sort of struggling with, hey, what makes this trip different than any other trip? Just the fact that you get to tell people it's your honeymoon and people congratulate you and they want to see your rings and they are so happy for you. Like that puts a smile on your face, right? You go, oh, yeah, that's right. Like this is our honeymoon. This is exciting. We've just done something super exciting. We're starting our lives together and we're on this awesome trip. And that is super cool. So I hope those 15 things were helpful. I hope that um, makes your wedding or your honeymoon planning a little bit easier and uh, hopefully you're excited for it. And as I teased off the top, I will share my honeymoon plans. Not sure anyone stuck around this long just to hear them, but in case you did. So our very first plans, we wanted to go to New Zealand. That was going to be a huge bucket list trip for my partner and I. We Neither of us have been before. We both really want to. It is very far from where we live, but we thought, hey, let's do it. It's at the top of the bucket list. Let's take like three weeks off, drive all through New Zealand. But of course, uh, this was some pre-pandemic thinking. And with the pandemic, it really does not seem like New Zealand is going to be opening their borders to those of us in North America anytime soon, which is totally understandable. <laughs> They've done an amazing job uh, containing COVID throughout the pandemic, and I totally understand why they would not want um, some North Americans coming through. Our backup plan was Japan. Uh, we've both been before. I've uh, been to Tokyo. I worked there for about a month, and my partner and I both did a um, like a two-day layover in Tokyo from another trip. 
we love it so much. We love Japanese food. We love the culture. We love the tech. We just think it's such a, such a cool place. And even though we've been before, we thought it'd be so fun to spend like two weeks uh, traveling through Japan, checking out all the different cities, eating all the most amazing food. So that was our plan B. Um, however, we are worried that Japan also will not be open when we are planning to go on a honeymoon, just given that, you know, they're not having any um, spectators at the Olympics this year, even the Olympics themselves are sort of dicey if they're going to happen. So it just seems like it might be a stretch to do a full honeymoon to Japan this year, given where we're at. So <laughs> plan C, we decided to do um, something a little bit closer to home. It was going to be a New England road trip. Um, we are, I don't know if I've said this, but I'm Canadian. Um, <laughs> I think I've tried to be a little bit coy about whether I'm Canadian or American, but spoilers, I'm Canadian. Uh, so our plan was to do a New England road trip. We were going to fly over uh, to the, I guess, East Coast and rent a car and drive around there. However, again, this is contingent on the borders being open because currently the Canadian-American border is closed and we really don't have time to do any uh, quarantines either in the States or back in Canada when we get back. So that'll depend on the border. Our plan D <laughs> is to head off to the Atlantic provinces of Canada, the Maritimes, spend some time in Nova Scotia, possibly uh, we've got some family in Newfoundland and head up there, or Newfoundland, sorry. Um, do a drive through those provinces. They're supposed to be really beautiful as well. I've been as a kid. My partner has never been before. Um, again, this one is contingent on travel rules as currently the Atlantic provinces are not open to those of us from the non-Atlantic provinces. So we will see. And then um, I guess our plan D is we do have flights booked to Montreal right now. My partner and I have both been to Montreal, but we haven't seen much more of Quebec. Uh, we're really interested in going to Quebec City. It's supposed to be kind of like a mini European town. And then we do have family in Ontario. So we figure worst case scenario, um, you know, Quebec is open to us. We can fly to Montreal, enjoy some time in Montreal and Quebec City, and maybe see some family in Ontario. And I guess our plan E would be to stay in um, British Columbia, where we currently are, our current province and just do a really local staycation, more of like a mini moon thing, head off to maybe one of the uh, Gulf Islands or something like that, do a couple nights there, and then go on a larger honeymoon next year. So those are our plans A through E of our honeymoon. Fingers crossed we get to go on, on some sort of a honeymoon. I'm sure we will. And I am very confident that travel will be a big part of our lives well after our wedding and we'll get to go on all of the trips at some point. So happy honeymoon planning to you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Unconventional Wedding Planning Podcast. I really appreciate it, and I hope you found the episode helpful. If you really want to make my day, you can leave me a rating and a review, follow along so you don't miss the next episode, and tell a friend about the show. Remember, you shouldn't be spending your wedding day managing other people's feelings.